0: Good morning. We are Dave and Pat Kelly. Now hear the word of the Lord from Luke 2 verses 41 through 52. Now every year his parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up as usual for the festival. When the festival was ended and they started to return, The boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but his parents did not know it. Assuming that he was in the group of travelers, they went a day's journey. Then they started to look for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem to search for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Child, why have you treated us like this? Look, your father and I have been searching for you in great anxiety. He said to them, Why were you searching for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he said to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. His mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in years and in divine and human favor. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be be to God. God.
1: So during a special holiday, an extended family gathers. There's tradition and ritual and food and lots of people. They gather the caravan to travel together. They don't realize that a 12-year-old boy is missing from the group. By the time they realize he's missing, they've already gone a fair distance. So his mother leaves the group and rushes back toward home to find her boy. And of course, I'm talking about the plot of the of the Christmas movie, Home Alone. I'm not sure there are a lot of other similarities between Kevin McAllister of Home Alone and Jesus of Nazareth beyond that basic plot line. I'm pretty sure that the boy Jesus didn't trick any would-be robbers, or if he did, I guess that story didn't make it into the Bible. This story that we just heard is really the only glimpse that we have of Jesus's childhood. It's the only story where Jesus is older than a baby and younger than a 30-year-old man. So what can we learn here about the formative years of Jesus, the years that he spent in the home of Mary and Joseph of Nazareth? Well, what jumps off the page to me in these 12 verses is how Jesus manages to be super normal, and also wildly not normal in the same story. This text begins by inviting us into Jesus's conventional, traditional, first century Jewish family life. Every year, Jesus's parents take him to Jerusalem for the Passover. This pilgrimage isn't something they do on their own. The whole community, extended family and neighbors, everyone, would travel together. It's hard for us to understand what the word community really means in this context, which is part of why Mary and Joseph often get thrown under the bus in this passage, because we cannot imagine leaving a city and not knowing exactly where our 12-year-old son is. How can you just assume that he's somewhere in the group? We don't get it because we are completely steeped in a culture of personal and individual responsibility. We are personally and individually responsible for ourselves, for our kids, for our stuff, and it's really hard for us to imagine any other way of living. But first century Jewish culture was thoroughly communal, shared identity, shared responsibility, which means that Mary and Joseph didn't lose track of Jesus, Jesus slipped away from the whole group, on purpose. Which brings us to the wildly not normal part. Traveling with your family to Jerusalem for Passover, very normal. Traveling in a large group, the group sharing responsibility amongst the adults for all the children in the group, totally normal. A 12 year old boy sneaking away from the group for multiple days to sit in the temple with the teachers of the law, not normal. We can tell it's not normal because Mary and Joseph take three days to find Jesus even after they return to Jerusalem. The temple must not have been the first or the second or even the 10th or the 12th place that they looked for Jesus. And even more unusual than where they found him was what they found him doing and with whom. He was sitting among the teachers of the law, listening and discussing, asking and answering questions, more or less acting like one of them. And he displayed such understanding that everyone who heard him, and it's safe to assume that even the teachers of the law, were amazed by him. Keep in mind that the Jewish age when a boy begins the transition from childhood to adulthood is 13. So he's not there yet. He's still a child. And yet there he is in the temple amongst the teachers of the law, blowing them all away. So in this snippet of Jesus's childhood, we see a mix of really typical first century Jewish experiences along with really atypical wisdom and a touch of precociousness. We might be tempted, especially in light of this precociousness, to cite this story as an example of Jesus's humanity. And those of us who have had or once had teenage children might relate to Mary and Joseph. Did your kid ever sneak out and throw you into an utter panic? Don't feel bad, so did the Son of God. I know I have definitely said something along the lines of what Mary blurted out in verse 48. Child, why have you treated us like this? Don't you know you're driving me crazy? And uh, I guess if I'm honest, I may also have heard something similar from my parents. What were you thinking? You scared us half to death. So the whole thing is very relatable. Now if we sit with this moment in our story, the confrontation between Jesus and his parents, his mother here speaking on behalf of both parents, what else can we see? Mary and Joseph have solved one problem. They have found their missing son. But they've encountered another problem. Nothing about where he is, what he's saying, what he's doing, makes any sense. The Jesus they find in the temple has shattered their expectations and caused them pain and confusion. In some ways, he is not the boy that they were looking for. They were looking for their good and obedient boy, for the one they rarely even need to check on, the one they can trust to be where he should be. We hear this in Mary's voice. In her surprise and dismay that their son would hurt them like this. And Jesus's answer only intensifies the relational tension. He says, why were you searching for me? Uh, Because we're your parents? But Jesus doubles down. He all but says, no you're not. Did you catch that? Mary says, your father and I were searching for you. And Jesus says, didn't you know I would be in my father's house? About my father's business, one translation puts it. That must have hit like a punch to the gut. Mary and Joseph were looking for their child, but the boy they found had grown beyond their expectations. He had business to attend to that they didn't understand. Last week we heard about Simeon, who told Mary right there in that same spot in the temple, a sword will pierce your heart too. And I wonder if she felt that sword in that moment. Where did my baby go? The one I nursed and cuddled and sang to The one who has come to and from jerusalem with us three times every year and never as much sneaked an extra piece of bread mary and joseph think that it's obvious that jesus should have been with them all along and jesus thinks that it's obvious that he needs to be with the teachers of the law in the temple and honestly neither one of them are really wrong it is certainly very reasonable for the parents of a 12-year-old boy to expect him to be among their group as they travel home. And considering that said 12-year-old boy is the literal Son of God, conceived by the Holy Spirit, sent to reveal God's cosmic plan for redemption, fulfillment of ancient prophecy, salvation of all creation, it's also reasonable that he would need to spend some time with the teachers in the temple. Maybe he should have told his parents first. But I think this kind of tension, where what is obvious to me is not at all obvious to you, and vice versa, arises a lot in communities. And when it arises in a church community, it's often about the exact same subject matter as what's happening in our passage here. Our expectations about Jesus, where he is, what he's doing, what he's saying. It can seem so obvious to us that Jesus is surely in our caravan somewhere, headed to the same place that we are. That's where Jesus is supposed to be. I know I have certainly traveled more than one day's journey, not recognizing that Jesus, in fact, has slipped away and we are no longer traveling together. And maybe some of us have also had the opposite experience. The experience that Jesus has here of being scolded and told you're not where you should be, that you've strayed away, or we've felt the sting of disappointing and not meeting the expectations of people that we love when we were actually about our father's business. In a church community, as theologically diverse as ours is, this kind of tension It's a given. We all carry with us, within this one church family, different ideas and expectations of Jesus. And if our goal is to judge with clarity and certainty between these different ideas, then this passage is not going to be much help to us. Because that's not what happens here. The teachers of the law don't stand up and take sides. A voice from heaven doesn't bellow down with judgment or blessing. Something much simpler happens. They go home together. They continue on as a family. Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, the King of heaven, The eternal wisdom of God leaves behind the teachers and the bystanders with their jaws on the ground. He goes home to Nazareth and is obedient to his parents. He is humble. He chooses humility. I like to think that he probably could have stayed if he wanted to and started his earthly ministry right then and there. Even as a young boy, he was so impressive that he probably could've found a nice host family there in Jerusalem and talked with those teachers in the temple every day. But he made a choice to go home with the mom and dad whom he had hurt, with the people who didn't understand him. He had more to learn. He had more growing to do. As wise as he was in those temple courts, The last verse of our passage says that in those following years, Jesus increased in wisdom and in divine and human favor. So all of this growth happened, not in the temple, but at home, with his family, with his community. And what did his mother do? It says that Mary treasured or pondered in some translations, all of these things in her heart. I think the word we might use today is reflect. Mary reflected on all of these things. And in order to reflect on something, we have to have some degree of openness. We have to suspend judgment for a moment and be open to learning something new. Mary, in her anxiety and her panic over fearing that she lost her son, she made a judgment there in the temple. She said, how could our child mistreat us this way? He did us wrong. And when Jesus did not respond in the way that she was expecting or probably in the way she was hoping, what does she do with those broken expectations? What does she do with her confusion? There's a silence. In the text there the dialogue ends the scene shifts as Mary goes home with Joseph and Jesus she turns it all over in her mind and she holds it all close to her heart Mary shows us here what to do when we don't understand what God is doing when we don't understand why we can't seem to see eye-to-eye With the ones that we love, when we're hurt and confused, and people change in ways that we were not expecting. She takes her time with it. She's open to learning something new about her son, which means learning something new about God. She makes space for the possibility that her experience of hurt and confusion which is really valid, is not the only thing going on. Mary shows us that just because we surprise each other, and we hurt each other, confuse each other, disappoint each other, it doesn't mean we aren't family. It doesn't mean we can't go home together. What does it look like to live faithfully as a church family? through misunderstanding and unmet expectations. It looks like humility, openness, and underneath it all, love. Undergirding Jesus's humility and Mary's willingness to ponder and reflect was their deep love for one another This is what it means to be the family of God, that we can walk through challenging experiences. And rather than allowing them to drive us apart, we would allow them to deepen and strengthen our love for each other. So may we seek to follow in the pattern of Jesus, learning and growing Increasing in favor with God and with our neighbors, not just by having impressive answers, but by humbly and faithfully living together as family. May we be spurred on by love like Mary, seeking after God, and may we be willing to be surprised by what we find, to be reflective. To be open, to treasure and ponder these things in our hearts. May we keep pursuing the beloved community of God until we all go home together at last. Amen.